tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey, everybody. Tennis.com podcast here back in the office. I'm Ed McGrogan here with Steve Tigner, Richard Pagliaro. We're just talking about getting back on the courts ourselves with the weather turning very nicely, and that coincides with the Pro Tour usually going to the clay season. Uh, the weather improves up here east, and then the players go further east to Europe after uh, Miami. So the big we're going to start with the men this week. Uh, their first top tournament, Monte Carlo, will begin on Monday. I think it's like at 4.30 a.m. if you guys want to want to get up and watch that. It's on Tennis Channel all week, being that it's a Masters event. Um, for second time in a couple of years, Roger Federer will not be playing in that event. It was we were sort of kind of waiting to see whether he would he would take a wild card into there. Uh, last time he did, it didn't work out too well. I think he lost to Stan Wawrinka first or second round of that. Um, that you know that event is going to be where we may see Djokovic and Nadal, of course, in the final. Um, sort of re- resuming their rivalry, and, and that would be a huge event um, for specifically because of what Nadal has done in Monte Carlo seven in a row, which is just kind of an absurd statistic in tennis. Um, but I'm thinking about those three in general this clay season. It's almost to me ironic that I think Nadal, the king of clay, he seems to need these wins, these titles almost more than Djokovic and Federer, who while they don't have the credentials Nadal has on clay, obviously, you know, Djokovic, I think he's already been targeting Roland Garros um, for his career slam. It's the only one he hasn't. Um, it, it would be also be a calendar, semi-calendar slam as well. He's talked about that openly. And Federer, I know, Steve, you made a, a, a point in your recent piece about Federer um, that it, the priorities for him may almost be past the clay season where toward Wimbledon, toward the Olympics, and you can kind of view the clay season as almost a bonus in a way. So of those three, um, maybe Nadal is the right place to start because I bring that up. You know, For Nadal, it, it's, um, it's a thing where it seems he needs to have that clay solve again going into uh, you know, the heart of the season. Yeah, it's an expectations game with him. He's, he's, I don't think any player has ever brought the expectations up to the level he has as, as during a certain part of the year. He always wins, basically always wins everything or close to it. Um, in the clay season, so you sort of get the feeling like, well, he needs to do that again to get himself ready for the French Open, even if, you know, who knows whether that's really the case. But it is true that Nadal uses, has used this tournament in the past to kind of kickstart the year, and I feel like that's what he, and, and traditionally he, he's a guy who's needed to build up momentum into Grand Slams, into the French Open, and then even into Wimbledon. Um, and I feel like he's done that a little this year. I get the feeling that he, you know, he obviously cared about the tournaments in the U.S., but he was sort of looking, you know, also with the Olympics, was looking towards this as a real as a real restart, you know, to to his to his 2012. So, so in that sense, the pressure is there. If he if he loses a tournament that he has that he's never lost at, and he's won seven straight times, there is a sense of well, what's wrong with Rafa? He, I almost think for that reason, this restart. Um, sort of theory out there. I think he's scheduled to actually play Barcelona as well on his, you know, on it, on slate. And to me, it almost, uh, I would normally say for a player of his caliber to be playing an event 
like that, you know, especially with Roman Madrid really not far after that. It's really kind of one after the other very quickly in all big events of this clay season. I almost don't think it's a problem for Nadal to be doing that. I think he really just needs um, you know, needs those wins, needs that sort of assurance that well, he always other, has had. The other more practical part of it is he wants to stay ahead of Federer for the seeding for the French Open. He's got a lot of points to defend. Federer doesn't have that many, and it's pretty close right now. You know, Rafa getting that second seed last year allowed him to play Murray in the semis and avoid, and while Federer and Djokovic played the other semis. So it's an important, that's an important spot for one of those guys. Yeah, and, you know, Federer and Djokovic, the other, the other two in, in this big trio here, um, you know, for for Djokovic, you talk about rankings. He will, of course, have everything to defend coming up, except Monte Carlo. I suppose I, I think this is uh, you know even more uh, house money in a way for him. You see how he does there, and then Federer. Like I said, do you you know Richard? Do you agree? I guess with with what Steve's sort of position there is, uh, where Federer's maybe interests lie, or you know. For these two coming into the clay season, how, how do you see, I guess, Federer and Djokovic performing? I'm not surprised Federer is skipping it because, like you said earlier, he's he's that's never been a, like a huge tournament for him. Remember the year Gasquet beat him there, and yeah, I agree. I think he's the Olympics and Wimbledon are the priority. That doesn't mean he doesn't think he can contend for the French. I just think the mileage, the wear and tear on his legs, he's trying to conserve himself a little bit, you know, because he knows there are. There are sort of bigger prizes on down the road. I mean, Djokovic has got to be thrilled with the way he's playing. That the you know the one set against Federer, the one set against Monaco, the first set against Murray. I mean, if it, it's just a matter of putting those sets back to back to back. If he does that, even though as Steve said, Nadal's never lost there, you still got to look at Djokovic. I think as the favorite going in there. That's actually I was going to bring up because I think a lot of people are are, are giving Djokovic that favorite. I mean, it sounds crazy, up. you know. The guy's never lost there, but I mean, he's at a really, really high level right now. You know, winning Miami without losing a set—I know it's hardcore, but look what he did last year on clay. Well, even on the even on the the two matches that he beat Rafa last year um, in straight sets, the only ones where he didn't lose a set were the were the matches on clay. That's right. where he was even more dominant. His game is. Despite the loss he took to Federer at the French Open, it's almost like his game at this point is really made is well made for clay right now. So I think if they play in the final, of course you have to make him the favorite. He's beaten him seven straight times. The uh, the rest of the field, and there's a, obviously a ton of players in the rest of the field. We're beyond the top three here. I wanted to start with Isner, John Isner, because he's made uh, he's been kind of. Uh, the flavor lately, but for good reason, um, clay results and other results. He reminds me actually of kind of in a way what Robin Sodling was doing, you know, a couple of years back. It's a uh, massive serve, of course, kind of getting the time to set up his, his ground strokes there. That's a pretty favorable comparison for him if, if it turns out that way. But I, you know, it, it does, he seems to be, um, Define that conventional logic for him that you know it's it's a he's a fast surface guy he's really turned into an all surface guy and and the latest thing was was beating Sanga in Davis Cup in Monte Carlo um, you know kind of everything you would say goes against Isner but really just kind of showing that big match type of uh, ability again yeah he's he's set up well for the French Open I guess the two things you would look at and say that those two wins came in Davis Cup which is different obviously it's only two matches over a weekend. Um, rather than seven matches over two weeks. And the one downside I could see for Isner is his penchant for playing these marathon matches 
and as well as he's played on clay, you could definitely see him playing a couple of those early at the French Open. And those, those have kind of been an Achilles heel for him, whether he wins them or not. He's had trouble getting past some of those. Um, so we'll see. He's, you know, he's already done more than anybody would have thought he was going to do on, on clay. And he's a guy that, obviously, he's that guy that nobody wants to play, as, as we say. Just such a strange decision for him to be playing Houston this week. I just, I, I still can't. And then back to Monte Carlo. It's yeah. just incredible. Well, he said he's he's out of Monte. He's probably not going to play Monte Carlo. He said yesterday oh, okay. the reason was because he felt like he needs to get a, get some more reps in practice before going to Europe for the full swing. So after Houston, he's close to Florida at home. They're going to go back, and that's what he said yesterday. He's going to go back and train for a good solid week to get ready for the re- full swing. That makes more sense. Because he just felt like bouncing back and forth. He was just he wasn't going to gain anything from it. The U.S. players in Monte Carlo have never mixed. I don't. I I, I think Roddick Roddick does almost go, every right. year. Fish doesn't generally go. So it's a it makes that time of year a, a long time right. through the French Open to be over there. Yep, that, that's you're kind of locked in. That's for sure. Um, Andy Murray with him, I think last year. He was another player who, like Isner, but I think for different reasons, Clay, w- Clay and him was the, uh, another thing that just collided and, and shouldn't go together. But last year, he he probably should have beat Djokovic in Rome. Uh, he played a fantastic match there until the end, and he makes the Roland Garros semis there. Um, so you know, Murray as well is is the is a number four that definitely has shown that he can you know he can. Do very well on clay, of course, too. You know what? Um, you know, for him, this season hasn't has evolved from something to be looking ahead to Wimbledon, where the intensity on him is more than any other player, and instead, it's something where he can, you know, make a big run. Last year, hit. and he's done it in the past. Last year, this was the time of the year where he sort of came out of his slump, post Australian Open yeah. slump. There's less pressure off on him, and during the clay season, it's almost feels like a bonus for him, I'm sure, compared to Wimbledon and the Olympics, the thought of the Olympics in London. Um, this is sort of a time where he can be under the radar and, and just, and he's a, you know, he's a, he's a consistent player and he's, he's a good, he has a good game for clay and he's challenged Nadal in the past. Nadal has said at certain points that he thinks he, um, this was before Djokovic, of course, he thinks Murray is as dangerous as anybody to him on clay. Um, he didn't show that in the French Open last year, but but um, I feel like that little like, less, you know, that little less pressure that he has will help him. It's just a matter of, of, of when I think of him in the finals, near the final, the final weekend of the French Open. It's like, it's almost like he needs to have Djokovic and Nadal lose to somebody else. Yeah, that's kind of what many people are saying is that uh, you know all those things. It's not that he has to beat one player in a final. It's got to be a couple of results where have to go his way. But um, but. For you know, for besides Murray, I'm looking at I'm looking right now at really the rest of the the top level of the ranks. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a couple names, and I think all of these players have their have their sort of pros and cons. And I'm looking at these players as as players who could really you know on the right day throw a wrench into plans here. I'm gonna mention a few names: uh, Sanga, David Ferrer, Nicholas Almagro, great clay court player. Juan Martín del Potro. I'm thinking of names like that, and Richard. You know, of of names of those players there. Um, you know, who do you think of, of that list? Is maybe maybe after maybe below that top four? You know, the top threats on clay really. Well, del Potro has been a semifinalist there and played a 
played a pretty good one. I, I know that's not his favorite surface, obviously, but I think the thing with him and with Isner is, you know, on clay, you can try to hit through a guy or you could try to hit over the guy if you have enough topspin. And those guys are so big that the high topspin, it sits right up in their strike zone. So someone like Del Potro or Isner, you really can't hit over them because your high ball is going right to where they're comfortable striking the ball. So I would say those two guys, Ferrer is always dangerous on anything because he's so he's so tough and, you know, coming off a pretty good Davis Cup weekend. Almagro's intriguing because you see him in the smaller events where he'll come through consistently. He's winning. He's in the semis. He's in the final, but he doesn't generally do it in majors or even Masters Series events. He doesn't have huge Masters events. He's definitely talented. I just feel like the head, you always wonder if he's going to flake out a little bit. And also the movement for a Spanish guy, he doesn't seem to move as well as those elite, you know, Ferrer Nadal kind of guys. I'll just put this question to you kind of to wrap this up is, um, you know, I, I think for the most part, we're going to be viewing this clay season as either a victory for Nadal or a victory for Novak Djokovic in, in a way here. Um, last year was sort of a, a split down the middle, if you, if you want to call it that, with Nadal winning the French in spite of losing to Djokovic. But, but if you had to say now before anything has really happened, um, who do you think is going to come out of this clay season better off, Djokovic or Nadal? So who's going to win the French Open in short? In short, who will win Roland Garros? I, think, I just think Djokovic just has, um, you know, Rafa's number, and nobody else has really broken through on Djokovic's one important loss this year was to Isner, which is, you know, Isner is that's kind of a freak match because it, he's such a he's such a different type of opponent, and Djokovic didn't play badly. That kind of thing could happen. I don't see him losing in a three out of five set match on clay, and then if he gets you know, maybe maybe you could see Federer beating him, but I I would take Djokovic for the you know to win the French Open. How about you, Richard? Yeah, I'd have to go with him just because, like Steve said earlier, the, the you can always pick Monfils too if you. <laughs> yeah, I, I wait until we actually put those on slate, then I go right. off. No, uh, yeah, I would go with Djokovic. Although you know, you never know if Nadal can break that s- snap that streak in Monte Carlo or. Or God forbid the blue clay of, uh, of you know you see him there and if he actually beat him in a final you know that that could sort of change his mentality going and you still got to worry about his knees as well although he always seems to bounce back strong during clay but uh, yeah I'd have to go with Djokovic. All right yeah we will talk about the blue clay of course when that comes yeah. to Madrid in a little a couple weeks and next week we will discuss sort of the women's um, in advance of the clay season. Uh, their season really gets going Stuttgart the week after Monte Carlo, which is next week. Plus, you got Steve's results from Saturday. We'll have that next week. Yeah, but I think right. Steve's playing on hard. <laughs> yeah, debut. Yeah. 2012 <laughs> debut. No, it's hard true, so it makes hard sense. Hard true, okay. <laughs> it makes sense. Oh, so the, this is where the green clay season ends up in right. Brooklyn. One weekend. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for listening. Steve Tigner, Richard Pagliaro, I'm Ed McGrogan, Tennis.com. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. 